Faith is the leading substance that invites God and maintains His presence in our lives. Humility is not insisting that you have accommodations on par to who you are. You know, as believers, we have a different outlook on life. Somebody say amen. Yeah. You know, you got every reason to be down and sad and depressed and, you know, and bewildered and uh, bewondered. And, you know, I mean, uh, if Jesus is not alive. I know it's a, I know it's a, you know, a theology that we have, but Jesus being alive is more than a theology. It's a revelation. It's a revelation. See, the disciples had, they were down and rightfully so when they didn't know he was alive. But when they discovered that he was alive, everything changed. Their viewpoint on life. their anticipation, their expectation. It all changed. Because they remembered everything that he said. Every promise that he made. Every assurance that he gave them. Now all of a sudden, wasn't just a fairy tale. It was what life would be built upon what life would be built upon. There was the prophet. Prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 60. He said, rise, shine, because your light has come and the, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's a moment and it's a time and it's an hour to just to shine. Because we're not waiting for something to happen. We're celebrating because something has already happened. Hallelujah. And out of the celebrating of what has happened, there will be other things that begin to take place. Because life is not something that is just a yesterday thing or a today thing. It is something that spans the eternities. Jesus said, because I'm alive, guess what? You get to live. You get to live. Now, Martha understood and she said, yes, I know that. Well, I'm going to, after I die, I've got a promise of the resurrection. Jesus said, no, wait a minute. Let's bring that life into the present. Let's bring it into the now. It's just not of the resurrection. He says that this power of life is afforded to you. The power of life is afforded to you right now. Because he that believeth me, though he may die, yet shall he live. In fact, as he went ahead and said, you really don't ever die. You just make a transition. Now we see it, but he doesn't. 
because he's conquered it. Hallelujah. God is so good. I'm so glad that you're here. God's glad that you're here. The devil is not so happy, but we're not in the, in the, in the market of giving him a good mood in the first place, are we? No, no. We're, we're glad when he's in a bad mood because uh, we don't want any glee in his life. But praise God. God wants, God wants you know, uh, to bless you. And you might get tired of me saying that, you know, but we're going to get you well. All right. We're going to get you healed because uh, Jesus has come for some real divine reasons. And we have been uh, using the subject. This will be the third Sunday now and divine connectors. Not divine connectors for God's divine favor. And uh, connectors are pathways that open up our awareness and accelerate our consciousness of God. Quicken our awareness and you know, accelerate our consciousness of God. They're, they're divine connections that stimulate the heart of God on your behalf. Now, if you've thought about that, but you can stimulate the heart of God. And the kind of the overarching thing that I want to, uh, you know, uh, uh, under the, the basis of this is getting the blessing to your house. Getting the blessing to your house. God, in our first uh, uh, session, we, we went ahead and, and, and discussed how that, uh, those divine connectors that God initiated, how that the relationship had broken down and uh, the blessing was no longer being able to flow undisturbed and unhindered into the life of God's creation. And so God took some initiative on his own. And we move quickly to the New Testament and how God initiated the connector of the cross, Jesus Christ and and the blood, that there is one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. So it's really important that you get Jesus in your life because he is the connector that connects us to the divine blessings. And this is just uh, reflecting now. And how that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you have a choice to make. You want to perish or do you want to have everlasting life? In order for us to have that, Jesus had to come to make it possible to have everlasting life because we were all perishing. And out of that great love and that great compassion that he had for us, you know, uh, he went ahead and offered his only son to us. Another great connector that God initiated was the resurrection. Without the resurrection, everything is invalid. 
because there was a resurrection. Everything is valid now. Every promise has a immutable force behind it. And then the other connector that he went ahead and, you know, sent was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine connector. We get Jesus into our life and we accept him as our Lord and Savior. You know what I mean? And we become born again. But he said, you know, you need an element that's with you on a daily basis. And Jesus himself said, I'll pray the Father and he will send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and he'll, he'll be with you and he'll abide with you forever. So God has went ahead and, you know what I mean, taken the initiative to connect us with himself. So the divine life of God, the living power of God, how God sees, how God hears, how God thinks, how God acts, all can, you know what I mean, reach our homes and reach our lives. I'm so glad for that. That God went ahead and now I want to respond to it. So this morning I want to talk to you about the, the spiritual and practical connections for the believer. We've discovered what God did. Now how can we also go ahead and connect to what he has done? How can we improve it? How, you know, so that we can have eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are pure. And God has a system in place that when we do, the thing, do things his way, we get re results. Aren't you glad for that? We don't have to walk in, in, you know, in the unknown. We don't have to walk in by chance. We can, you know, be confident that the laws of God work. The laws of God work. An amen now and then is going to be okay in this house, all right? (laughs) All right. So the first one I want to talk about is, as a divine connector is, you're familiar with it, but it's called faith. Faith. A simple recognition of the free gift that's already been given to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. How many are glad for faith this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. You run around enjoying all the grace of God, but there's a connector, you know what I mean, that, that, that is absolutely important that you believe in the goodness of God faith that faith and hope and love it is virtues that that, that drive our lives that that motivate us you see the other side of that is unbelief and it's really a stumbling block in our lives it really you know clogs up the pipeline unbelief and so, what's what the positive side of the Word of God is about? That's what preaching is about. That's what relationship is about. That's what, you know, uh, just uh, connecting with the God Word is about, is, is kind of reducing the unbelief in our lives so we can increase the faith in our lives. Faith. That, 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 uh, uh, it's the thing that gives vitality. 
Faith gives vitality to life. I mean, just think it in a practical standpoint. You know what I mean? Your good days are days and when you are filled with anticipation and expectation. That's faith. Faith is something of things hope for, the expectation. The bad days is, you know what I mean, when all of a sudden little doubt and unbelief and unsurety kind of starts to clog the airwaves. Your own soul and your own spirit. The vitality of faith. Everybody say it. The vitality of faith. Jesus said all things are possible if you can just believe. So what's happening or not happening isn't so much because it's not available, but it's because of the level of our faith to go ahead and believe what. Now don't take that as a, you know, a downer. Receive it as a challenge. It's a motivator. Faith has been known to awaken the womb of a 90-year-old woman. Faith has been known to raise people that have died from the dead. Because there's been faith in predecessors and particularly Israel and and we can just go from family to family. So if somebody had faith, all of a sudden there's been blessing procured for the future. We're here and, and things got connected because there was one man, Abraham, who had faith. He became a connector. Not only for himself, but from, you know, future generations. The vitality of faith. Jesus said, only believe. When issues were brought to him and, you know, they were seen insurmountable and very improbable when it came to the natural side of things. And Jesus said, well, if you can just go ahead and believe, it's It's possible. It's not out of the realm, not out of the sphere of what God wants to do. We're not just talking about human imagination. We're talking about God's ideas. Faith has been known to cause the walls of Jericho to fall down and the lions of mouths to be stopped. We step into the New Testament and it was faith that caused Mary to be the recipient of a divine seed. So the divine plan could be fulfilled to fulfill a divine role. Do you understand that if Mary wouldn't have had faith, it would have clogged up the process.
isn't it wonderful that you don't always have to figure it all out to have faith? Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. How is this thing going to happen? How does this work? I don't understand it. Well, here's just a simple clue. The Holy Ghost is going to do it. I believe. (laughs) Our role in this divine connector is to have faith. The Holy Spirit's role, you know what I mean, is to honor that faith and to do the impossible and what we can't do. Faith. Faith. One of the... uh, How can I say it? One of the favors of faith is rest. It's rest. For he was believed to enter into rest. There are two pillars of faith. Two pillars of faith. It's not all that there is of faith, but there's two pillars in faith. And that is one, that God exists. And number two, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it is verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You keep those two pillars. I mean... Right out front. Keep them there. God exists and he's a rewarder. Faith is the leading substance that invites God and maintains his presence in our lives. Having faith that God exists, that he's a rewarder. It's faith that cuts through the physical realm and begins to connect us with God, you know, in, a, in, a, in an extremely powerful way. Connect through that physical realm that sometimes seems to block our vision. It enables us to acknowledge and revere God absolutely exists and that God is is a divine presence. Listen to the power of faith. Faith allows God to direct what will transpire in our lives. Jacob prophesied by faith. When you leave, take my bones with you. He wasn't there to see to it that it would happen. No. He had been dead a long time. But faith keeps the word alive until it's fulfilled. Faith, the power, the vitality of faith 
It helps us rise above our human weaknesses and pulls, that pulls us down like gravity. All around you is forces like gravity that's trying to pull you in the opposite direction that you need to go in what you need to believe. But faith that believes in the goodness of God, that believes in the power of God, that believes in the care of God, that believes in the attention of God, faith that believes in the future of God, it has a vitality, a vitality. It's one of those things that you want to get planted in your garden because Jesus likened the kingdom to the mustard seed. And he connected them together with faith. There is, you know what I mean? It's like a man who planted in his garden. And so we want to plant, make sure that this thing called faith is planted in our garden because what does it do? It grows. It grows and so it begins to cover everything in the garden. It becomes a resting place. It becomes a, a, a place, you know what I mean, of, of protection, of shade. Yeah, I mean, a defense. It grows. Faith. And we're on faith this morning. We're not on love. We'll get there. Because I know how the mind works. Well, love is greater than faith. More important, the greatest of these is love, you know? God doesn't want them divided no more than he wants the Godhead divided. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Absolutely. Praise the name of the Lord. Faith. The book of Hebrews is a tremendous book, chapter 11. It, it, ta- it tells you all the possibilities and the parameters of, of faith and it, how it works in every arena. See, faith does not just work in success as we would know it or results that are appealing or are, you know, pleasant to us. Faith still works when it seems like it doesn't work. These all died not having received the promise, but you know what they did? They died in faith. They didn't let it, because it didn't happen, take down their tree of faith. Just because it hasn't happened or didn't happen or doesn't happen or in your lifetime doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what faith does. It spans that. 
So faith is a, a vitality. The next thing I want to ask, suggest to you this morning that's, that's a faith connector is humility. Humility. All streams flow to the sea. Why? Because it's lower than they are. Hey, listen. You want to get the streams going in your direction? Everybody should have said yes. <laughs> the power of humility to get all the streams flowing in your direction. Because all streams flow to the sea. Humility is simply a modest view of your own personal importance. Culture says this. You can't afford to be humble because nice guys finish last. God says you can start getting streams flowing in your direction by having a modest view of yourself. Here's the thing about humility. You can win a medal for humility, but it's taken away when you wear it. It's the absence of feeling better than others. It's it's the freedom from the desire to impress or be right or get ahead at the expense of somebody else. Don't get it so quiet in here, church. It's sweetness. It's it's down to earth. (laughs) Humility is not insisting that you have accommodations on par to who you are. I hope you catch that one. (laughs) Naaman, He's got a need. He's got a leprosy. He needs some water flow in his direction. And all of a sudden, you know what I mean? The prophet says, you need to go wash yourself in the Jordan River. And he's, of course, you know who he is. He's somebody. He says, wait a minute. The rivers are far, far much more clean and much more pleasant and much, you know, I mean, it's the, uh, it's the vacation spot. Let me go wash in there. There's this little girl in his house, you know, and he's all upset. She comes along and stimulates his humility. (laughs) You know? Why don't you just go ahead and, you know, try it? What's it going to hurt? And as soon as he engaged in humility, he got the river of healing flowing in his direction. Bible says that 
Christ, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal of God, but made of himself of no reputation, but he humbled himself and became obedient to death. You know what I mean? In other words, whatever role God is asking you to play at the given time in your life, that's the role that you need to play. How many of you know that Christ is exalted today? Hallelujah. But the role that he had to play as redeemer, you know what I mean, for us, he had to go ahead and lay down. This is who I am, but I don't need accommodations for who I am, because if, I, if it was, I would have been born in a castle rather than in a manger. Humility. It's not low self-esteem, church. Humility is not low self-esteem. It's just not, you know, thinking more highly of yourself than, than you ought. It says in Isaiah 66 and 3, it says, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and of a contrite spirit. See, what happens in the absence of humility, we forget the shoulders that we are standing on. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody should have a green light. I was really thinking about that. We need a green light out here, David. It's time to honor veterans, you know, if you put a green light out. You know, their shoulders, folks. What made America great, makes the church great, is that we recognize that we're standing on shoulders. Oh, thank God for the shoulders before us. Jesus said, I send you out, and you're going to reap where you have not sown. Somebody has went ahead and sowed before you. You just are collecting in on their harvest. It gives power to the spirit. Where the eagle leaves, not eagle, ego, there's room for a higher power. Hallelujah. These are connectors that we can initiate. Psalms 138 says this. He regards the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. It puts distance between you. You know, it's not that he's not conscious of you. It's not that he doesn't love you. It has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? But here's what he said. He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You make a step in his direction. God responds likewise because he's already went, did his part. Now he's looking for us to respond to his part. And then when we respond to his part, he responds again to our part. All streams flow to the sea because it's lower. 
Isn't it? Yeah. I'll have to close with this last one. It's not the only ones that there are. Now, it's called practice and righteousness. In other words, choosing to do good. <coughs> choosing to do good. Don't tighten up, okay? John wrote this in John chapter 3. Verse 9, he says, whoever is born of God does not sin. In other words, he doesn't regularly practice sin. It, it, it's not that we, we do not sin. There's none that does not sin. So, you know, hang in there, you know. I mean, you know. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a divine power. There's a divine nature in you. You know, it keeps bringing you out, little by little, more and more. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he, he has been born of God. Let me give you a picture. Karen, you want to come this morning? Uh, let me give you a picture. What, what is he saying? It, it, and then I'll read verse 10. Excuse me. Oh, we don't have it all there, do we? Uh, okay. Anyway, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So God himself said there's a difference. He who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So, you know what I mean? He really makes it simple, doesn't he? Plain. Seems like we have more, more problem with loving one another than we do, you know what I mean, with, you know, long-distance relationships. What is he saying here? He's saying it's called parentage parentage he says it is natural that you will have resemblance to who your parent is that's natural practicing righteousness is a resemblance of God as your parent Unrighteousness is a resemblance of the devil as your parent. Is that too hard for the church? It's there. I, I, you know, I'll take it out for you. Just, just because you know, I feel for you. No, but it's it's really it's really you know neat. Where's my son? Well, there he is. That's my son. Does he look like me? Got the same nose. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can't get away from it. You know what I mean? My father, you know what I mean? We, we just had bigger noses. And, and we got them. Oh, we're still good looking, but we just get our noses just to kind of get in the way, okay? But really, you know, mother, son, you know, we just go down the line. Your parentage shows up. 
God is saying, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? In the process of things, you know, your parental resemblance needs to begin to show up. When the baby first comes out, we say they're so cute. They're not. Some of them are. But this, you know, I prophesied, you're cute. <laughs> but they weren't cute, you know? Who do they look like? They look like their mom and dad. They look like a baby. But as they go along, the genetics, you know, of the parentage begins to shine through. And that's what John is saying there. You know what I mean? As we go along, the parentage should shine through in your life. Now, there are things that clog it up. You know? There are handicaps that can, you know, prevent it from developing at the rate that it should, that it should develop. Notice what it says. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. First period of 3 and 12 in Psalms 34 says this, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, and to cut off the remembrance of them from, from the earth. It takes away the posterity. It was Moses. Moses went ahead and said... You know, when he came of age, he had to make a decision in his life. Now, you know, this was a major decision because he had a choice. The Bible says it's to suffer with the people of God. In other words, just be, you know what I mean, someone that was an outsider. Or he couldn't, or he could be, he wouldn't just be an insider. He would be the insider. And he weighed it all out and he said, you know what? I'm going to choose righteousness. I'm going to choose righteousness. Let's look at the power of righteousness. Noah. Here's Noah in the midst of a, just the Bible says that Evil was everywhere. There, was, there wasn't any good thoughts going on any place. But all of a sudden, one man. God saw some good thoughts going on in one man. And here's what it says. Here's what it says in, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. God... You know, there was a connector, a divine connector. And I'll close with this one. Remember the story of Lot and Sodom? 
And Abraham? God's ready to wipe it, that city off the face of the earth. And all of a sudden, God reveals a possibility of him refraining his judgment on it. He said, if you can find ten righteous. See the power of righteousness? If you can find ten righteous in, this, in the city, I won't destroy it. I'll hold off. Man. Couldn't find them. But God still delivered the righteous. Because you know, Lot was righteous. It says that Lot vexed his righteous soul every day of his life in Solomon Gomorrah. But righteousness, doing good, doing good. God wants us, you know, be not weary in well-doing, but know that as you keep doing good. I mean, I had a moment yesterday, seriously, just about lost my... I had to repent anyway. <laughs> we just moved my son and, and how many know that moving sometimes a little bit noisy? Well, it's an apartment, you know what I mean? Ah, this neighbor had the gall. After three hours, just the night before, because we were moving and, you know, getting wall, uh, pictures on the walls, that type of thing. And the gall to show up and ask us to be quiet. <laughs> or more quiet. I'm glad it was Mark that answered the door. Because I was sitting over there. And I knew God saw it. I was glaring. And it's a good thing I didn't say anything because, you know, the tongue sets on fire. So I never said a word. And the fire, you know, the, the, the coals just kind of simmered down. And then I was able to give from thought to it. And, and I said, oh, I'm so glad I didn't. I mean, if I see him in the corridor... Lord help him, but, you know, <laughs> stand with me this morning. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course, none of you have ever been there, you know, but I won. I won. My son, he's got so much grace. It's just amazing. I'll tell you, a lot further along than I am. He's went ahead and done some amazing things to connect us to him. What are we trying to do? We're just simply trying to get all the streams running in our direction. All the streams running in your direction. Hallelujah. Father, this morning we understand that our position in you is because of you 
in the gift that Jesus Christ has given us. It's his righteousness. So we don't have to be shy from the throne of grace because you have went ahead and allotted to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ and our approach to you. But as we walk it out and as we practice and as we, as your children, we want to be more reflective of our parent. Our heavenly father, which is in heaven. And so Lord, we want our lives to be practicing those things that catch your attention, that bring favor into our world, into our lives. God, we want the streams to flow. Let it be such, God, that it will arrive at our house. The favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Praise God. Go with God. Hallelujah. God bless you today. God is good. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR. Thank you.